You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We are Canada's number one tech radio program, and we have an awesome show for you today. We're going to be covering all the latest uh, Apple stuff. They had a big announcement this week and some really interesting new gadgets and gear. Super powerful computers, new iPhones, new monitor. Pretty cool stuff. I was pretty impressed with the announcement. New iPads. New iPads as well. Uh, And we'll be talking with our good friend Ted Kritsonos out of Toronto about the social war happening uh, with the Ukraine-Russia conflict right now. How do you know what to trust and believe on what you see on social media, the videos, the photos? It's a confusing time. On any media, not just social. Yes, you're right. Anyway, Ted's going to help us dig down into that and uh, give us some uh, tips on on how to uh, know what's legit and what is not. Uh, let's start off with some of the tech news, John, as we always do in the first part of the program here. Volkswagen, obviously getting big into electric vehicles. Uh, they've got their ID4 coming out. ID, I guess, standing for intelligent design. Well, everyone's pretty excited. Uh, they are getting close to releasing their microbus EV, the Buzz. This is something that's been talked about for years, even before they had the whole ID line of electric vehicles that they have and their electric Galt, the e-Golf. This is something that people have been wanting, A, a comeback of the microbus, the Volkswagen bus, and also the fact that it's an electric vehicle is pretty exciting. So they've got two configurations, apparently, John. They've got uh, the ID Buzz, which has got like a five-seat configuration, and they've got a commercial version as well. And this is called the ID uh, Buzz Cargo. So it's a van with up to three seats, and it's got a divider to, uh, I guess, parcel off the, the rear where you have uh, cargo in. But um, it's, it's an interesting-looking van. It's pretty cool-looking, and I love the fact that it's electric. Yes. Well, it kind of looks like the kind of vehicles that we've seen in Asia. Yeah. These very small, like Mitsubishi and, and other companies make these very small, compact vehicles that are very like they're almost like a TARDIS or kind of big on the inside and but very compact on the outside and this looks like a great um uh sort of reimagining of the 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 bus the the Volkswagen bus of I guess the 60s and 70s uh one thing that people were a little disappointed about was the fact that it's not specifically a camper van no which is apparently also coming later on and I think they're going to also, this one looks kind of skinny. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you said, kind of more the Asian style of van. Yeah. But they say they have an extended wheelbase one coming as well yeah. later on in a year or two. So we'll keep our eyes open for that. So for all the uh, the Volkswagen kind of uh, minivan guys uh, out there or gals, uh, this microbus. is microbus. Uh, this is definitely something to uh, look at. Uh, John, this next uh, story is kind of something out of uh, Star Trek, the uh, the replicator. Yeah, this is a molecular drinks printer. So this is a machine that basically um, you get a single cartridge of flavorings and the machine can make one of thousands of different kinds of beverages, including juice, soft drinks, iced coffees, sports drinks, wine, and cocktails. Because it uses the, the sort of the base chemicals to make something else. And this sounds, like you said, science fiction. This actually isn't terribly, like it's not a new idea. Um, probably about 10 years ago, I heard about a professor in the University of Glasgow uh, who was working on a, a molecular 
uh, prescription drug 3D printer. So you give it cartridges of all the base chemicals, carbon, water, hydrogen, all these types of things, and it will mix and cause a chemical reaction to actually make that specific type of prescription drug. And in this case, the Canna printer, or it's it's from a company called Canna. Um, and it, the idea is that the single cartridge it can make anything because it has all the ingredients it needs to make the chemical compounds that make up all the things that we would drink. Well, it's interesting. They say that at least 90% of what we drink is water with flavorings, sugar and alcohol added in. Yeah. But I, like, how good could that taste though? Like something that's going to make you like wine and then is also going to make you a coffee. It, it seems pretty weird uh, that you could do that, but you know the types of things that they're showing, uh, these things can cost each drink because you basically are using a consumable cartridge, yeah, right? That has sort of all the base chemicals. It can cost anywhere from twenty nine cents to three dollars, depending on the on the beverage that you want to make. It just I don't know. I, I'm going to have to see this in action. Like there's also like a little um, a carbonated. Uh, flask in there i guess for carbonated drinks right. and you also have spirit cartridges i guess alcohol the booze yeah the booze yeah like how big this thing would have to be pretty big to have all that well i mean it, it looks like it's a countertop thing although it does look a little bit bigger than your average it's got a touch screen on it yeah yeah like it looks a little bit bigger than your average sort of pod based coffee maker is this something you would get like you and i are, are nerds if this thing is legit yeah yes Really? Yeah. But it's like 500 US. So? <laughs> if it can make any drink that you like. Yeah, but how good can they be, John? Like, well, really? That, the proof will be in the pudding. Like coffee. Yeah. Like, what about the caffeine and things like that? But caffeine is just a chemical. It can't, can't possibly make caffeine. I mean, we're going to have to look into this more. Yeah. Again, it's called the Canna One from Canna, and that's Canna with a C. Yeah, C-A-N-A. Basically, you can pre-order one now for $99, and then you get a credit towards the full price when they ship in early 2023. Okay, we're going to cover another uh, important topic here, John, on our uh, Get Connected news. Uh, Building the Galactic Star Cruiser, which is, I guess, the big Star Wars hotel down in Disneyland. Yeah, it apparently costs about $6,000 for two people to stay for two nights insane but you're immersed in like a whole star wars it's like you're in the movie yeah but it's forced them to think where where do people poop in star wars yeah because you don't really see a lot of toilets in, in the no star i don't wars remember universe. seeing luke skywalker going to the bathroom or no. any bathroom well and yes. as you mentioned off air what about all the aliens in star wars right? they all have different configurations that <laughs> need to be taken into account yeah I would, I would love to know what the bath. It must look like a normal bathroom. Yeah, it, it, it is just a normal toilet. Unfortunately, yeah. not very Star Warsy, but maybe that's. The I guess they they have to be up to code, right? They can't make some weirdo thing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, well, attach this here, and we've been in some European and Asian countries where there's just a hole in the ground. Yeah, but that I guess that's code. <laughs> well, for those countries. <laughs> But yeah, the price, John, like you said, 6,000 bucks for a few nights. Yeah, it's, well, I've seen all kinds of different pricing for it. Like yeah, I, it's a lot. It's like thousands per night. Yeah. And it's based on double occupancy as well. And, but the thing is, the idea is, this feels like, it's like Comic-Con gone wild. Like, 
because a lot of people are kind of expected to cosplay while they're there too. And you can, you go to lightsaber training and all this kind of stuff. But the thing is, there's no actual windows. You're not outside for any of this. It's all make believe inside. All these rooms have windows that are really just TV screens. Yeah. So, so it looks like you're actually on a star cruiser on a cruise in space. I'd love to try that out, but I'm not going to spend 5,000 or $6,000 us for that. Would you? No, and I'm a big Star no, Wars. No, you fan. love Star Wars. Yeah, I don't need to live and breathe it. I want to go there, but yeah. not. I don't care about unless it's a real lightsaber. <laughs> I don't need your fake lightsaber training. Okay, we're gonna have to take a break. You are listening to Get Connected, Canada's number one tech radio show. When we come back, still so much to talk about. Later on, we'll be chatting about the social war how social media is being used in the conflict uh, in Ukraine right now. And we will be covering, coming up, the Apple announcements. They've released some massively powered new personal computers, monitors, uh, iPads, and even new iPhones. We'll give you the lowdown on all of them. You're listening to Get Connected. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. We've got uh, one of our contributors, Robin Kavanaugh in studio with us uh, you guys just did a big uh, apple live stream during the uh, apple announcement this week so hopefully you guys are up to speed on <laughs> on all the specs uh overall what did you think was it a good kind of release yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i was pretty pleased um i think we saw some really cool things especially on the mac side yeah um, and that being the mac studio yes we knew that there was going to be some sort of update to the mac mini coming Maybe the Mac Air. I personally did not expect it to be a brand new chip that's going to like blow everything else out of the water. John, I don't know what you thought was going to go happen. Well, we, we thought it would might be like the evolution of the Mac Mini. Yeah. So the, the Mac Mini right now has the M1 chip, the same setup and configuration basically as the uh, the MacBook Air. Mm. We thought maybe, well, maybe they're going to get the Max or the or the Pro M1. Yeah. They kind of took it to a whole other level. Yeah. With the M1 Ultra. <laughs> It's literally two M1 Max chips just stuck together. Yeah. It's, but haven't nuts. we seen the Ultra trip chip no. already? No, no. no. Oh, I thought that was in one of the laptops. No. no. So in with the MacBook Pros in October, November, they released uh, the M1 Pro and then the M1 Max. Okay. okay I'm getting, <laughs> I'm so getting they, lost. They have three. Pro, actually, Max, and Ultra. They have four yeah. levels now of the M1. They have four levels of the M1. M1. M1 Pro, M1 Max, and the newly released okay, Ultra. Okay, yeah. I thought yeah. the Ultra. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this was like so I, the ultra is two two maxes. Yeah, glued together. In, like yeah, it's pretty much. Well, I'm yeah. <laughs> They've done a little more finesse with yeah. it. No, they use duct tape. Duct tape. <laughs> okay, so it, there's a new computer. It looks like a Mac Mini, but on steroids. So it's like a square little box. Yeah, it's twice as tall as a Mac Mini. Yeah, um, and it has uh, the the big thing we saw with the the M1 Pro and Max laptops was a return to. You get your ports back. Mm. You have everything's thick again. It's yeah. not ultra thin anymore. Yeah, yeah. So they have a ton of ports. They have uh, SD card reader. They have at the front. I should at the say, front, which is incredible. They got USB C ports at the front as well. USB C yeah. ports in the front and USB A ports on the back. Yeah, 
Yeah, they're going old school. Yeah, but you know, there's so many accessories that still have the old USB. Well, that's what we we talked about, the fact that a lot of people, especially creatives using these types of machines, would be using like external hard drives all the time or thumb drives uh, just to transfer their files. So the fact that you don't have to use a dongle on the back of this. Yeah, especially like as if you're like a creative and you're working with these hard drives, if you're using any sort of dongle, you're increasing the risk of like losing files like exponentially just by going through another system. So this is, this is big. Okay, so um, what chips is this available in? And is it available with the, the Max and the Ultra? Or does it go down to the Pro? Uh, it starts with the Max. Yeah. Um, I believe around 2,000 US. So it's super cheap. Yep, totally affordable. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the And that's Ultra, no monitor. That's no monitor. This is a totally headless design. Yeah. 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 They also came out with a monitor. Yes, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. So who is the same for this particular computer? So Pros. Robin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, not even. I think like I'm satisfied with the Max. The the, the one thing that they showed when they're kind of demonstrating the uh, M1 Ultra in this Mac Studio was a lot of 3D work. Okay. So they were showing sort of real-time simulations, a lot of 3D modeling, things that are like very particularly graphical taxing or yeah. graphically taxing. Well, the, one of the things that they, they kept touting, and I, I'm not going to try to get all the, the, the numbers right here because mm. the numbers are boring, but something like 80 or 90 percent faster gpu throughput on the the ultra yeah. compared to even the m1 i think yeah like yeah. it was like an insane amount of a bandwidth speed and capability yeah so yeah. but like you said it's really geared towards the creatives that are like working on the mandalorian or the new obi-wan <laughs> star <laughs> wars shows yeah 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 because yeah, you need it. to be able to render stuff in real time very fast yeah and the thing is, the price isn't that ridiculous for some of this stuff, too. Like, for, for a, a standalone box, you buy a, uh, a PC tower, mm-hmm. your video card alone to do anything close to this kind of work is going to cost more than this, this uh, Mac Studio is going to cost. It's, but it's got integrated graphics on this. Yeah, yeah it's all built in on yeah. the uh, M1 chip. So you, you don't have a separate graphics card on this thing? Nope, no, 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 all one. But, so like, but how is that power compared to, like, a, a Windows PC that does have a separate graphics card (laughs) (laughs) well according to their charts and graphs and again we haven't tried this yet but it basically says we're going to blow you out of the water okay yeah and i think one of the big important things to remember is the reason a lot of the uh, programs on at the current m1 software runs so well is because they're all optimized we Things like 3ds Max, um, Unreal Engine, all the things like these big 3D engine, uh, software that the pros use, they're not optimized yet. Okay. So they haven't even been optimized for the M1. Exactly. Like there's no optimization whatsoever. Hopefully, this is sort of the stepping stone towards getting that done. Now that they have a platform that yeah. can actually kind of support it. But um, but th- I mean, this is going to impact a lot of creatives. Whether you're working in video games, movie special effects, those kinds mm. of things. Um, 3D modeling and design, that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's really the target audience. It's going to be like overkill for the average computer 100%, user. Even like the the most basic entry level model. Like, yeah, but a lot of people probably won't would want to get it just for the fact that you get all the ports back. <laughs> it's a very compact little package that is very powerful. Yeah, and so there's a new monitor as well. Yeah, yeah. This is like um, kind of a sized down version of their like previous their XDR. Pro Display, which was like $6,000. It was 32 inches. This one's a little bit pared down. It's 27 inches. 27 inches. It's a little bit more reasonably priced. Yeah, it's around 1500 US. That's a lot for a monitor. 
<laughs> yeah, but this monitor also <laughs> has but <laughs> there's always a but. This monitor has the same chip that's in the current iPad. 9th gen. So the A13 Bionic. Exactly. Yeah. It's also in the iPhone 11, 11 mm -hmm. Pro, Pro Max. So why does it need a, like a powerful chip? Well, basically because they're doing a lot when it comes to both the camera and the speakers in this thing. Got it. Okay. They have, they have a brand new 12 megapixel um, selfie or webcam, not yeah. selfie cam. But, so what uh, resolution is that? Um, I, didn't, I didn't really read that. With 12 megapixel, you could do like up to 4K. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you Yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's, it's it's not like a crappy 720p no, camera. No, it is yeah. like the same what's like on the iPads, what's on the iPhones, okay. things like that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um which is important because if because totally, yeah. we're all doing these Zoom calls yeah, on yeah. really crappy webcams right now. So now you're going to look <laughs> It's got a six speaker uh sound system that supports spatial audio. Yeah. Um so, you know, it, I I can't think of anything better that way to consume this any kind of content than this type of monitor in yeah. close proximity. Totally. I think like this is going to be like your one-stop shop for like everything. You don't need speakers. You don't need another webcam. It's 2000 Canadian. There you go. That's the Apple's price. <laughs> Cheap. Yeah. <laughs> but again, if you're, I mean, this is aimed at professionals, it's right? It's for professionals. Totally. Yeah. It has the same color space and everything that the current yeah. Mac monitors have yeah. built in. So it's beautiful. Okay. We are going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to still cover some of the more Apple announcements, including a new iPad Air with a really powerful chip built into it and a couple new iPhones as well that even John is excited about and not for the reasons you think. You're listening to Get Connected. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. We've got uh, Robin Cavanaugh. He's uh, one of our Get Connected contributors. We're talking about the new Apple announcements uh, this week. And we covered some of the new computer stuff. Super powerful new Apple computers, and they also announced a new iPad Air and new iPhones. So quickly starting with the uh, iPhones, a new iPhone SE. And yeah. it's more powerful, better camera, but it looks the same as the old SE. Which I was disappointed about. Were you hoping it looked more kind of with the squared edges? Yeah, I was hoping yeah. it would just look more like even like an iPhone ten or yeah. something, like the full display size, but like it's still got the chin, it's still huge bezels. It's still got the home button. Yeah, it's still got the yeah. home button. It's, yeah. it's kind of nuts. So like, but they're they're trying to keep the price down, and, and one way is obviously using the manufacturing lines they already have. And exactly, do you know what I mean? And you know what they've they've done a lot and put in the A15 chip into this, which yeah. is the chip that's in the current iPhone 13. Yeah. So I mean, you can't really complain. The thing we talked about on the live stream is the fact that this particular phone is great for people that tend to hang on to their iPhones for a long period of time. Yeah. Because it's it's got the A15, like you said, it's going to have updates for probably four or five years, no problem whatsoever. Oh, yeah, 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 at least. So it's good value on this. So again, sorry, it's seven fifty, right, to start? Uh, I think uh, on this one here, yeah, I know it's it's, it's uh, maybe seven ninety nine. So, mm, okay. I don't yeah. have it right in front of me. And, and the main big thing with this one is that they've added 5G as well. And it comes in green. <laughs> which, okay, which is why John is excited about the new well, iPhone 13 color. Well, they, they make a big deal about it, but the iPhone 12 came in green. The iPhone 11 came in green. Yeah. And then the 13, oh, we're not going to do green anymore. Yeah. Until six months later. John loves green. <laughs> it's a beautiful green. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. What color is your, you've got an iPhone 13. It's blue. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. I'm colorblind, so I don't care. <laughs> okay, quickly, we're going to jump over to the uh, new iPad Air. Uh, I love the iPad Air. I, I just love the new form factor. This has still got the same form factor as the, the last generation one, but they've, they've put an M1 chip in it. 
That's huge. Yeah, I. So that's the same as like the the MacBooks and the MacBook Air. Yeah, yeah. and the iPad Pro now as well. Yeah, yeah. Which that, I think that's the one thing that I kind of came away with that was like. I was the most tempted to buy. Yeah, you, you you've got the you've got the crappy regular right. iPad. Well, I have the I'm joking. Level. I mean, no, it's it's beautiful. Make no mistake. But and you know that's that's kind of what I'm struggling with yeah. is that like I've had no issues with this. Yeah, the the main reason I'd want to upgrade is really for that screen real estate versus any sort of performance boost. Yeah, so that's what I'm kind of finding it hard to justify. You use your iPad all the time now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with the pencil, with the pencil, use I it use as it. a second screen for drawing, for everything, for note taking. Yeah, for like it's. It's my primary device behind my laptop. But how much did you pay for that one? That was about 400. That's pretty good for considering how much you use it. Like, yeah. I think you use it more than your phone almost. Nearly, yeah, yeah. yeah. And plus the hundred or so dollars for the Apple Pencil. So right. this new M1 iPad, I mean, that is a powerful chip in there. So it's, yeah. they were showing all sorts of uh, gaming on it. Like it's like mm. next level gaming on this. Yeah. If, yeah. You're, if you're into that. So it starts at, I think around 750. Am I correct? 750 for the 64 gig, which yeah. I'm kind of annoyed. That, uh, uh, I know. So, but the thing is everyone, I mean, like I started Why are you annoyed? With, the memory? Well, yeah. Like why not have a 128 as the base model? Yeah. And there's no 128 no. at all. It just goes straight to 256. But then I'm also realizing I'm putting more and more into the cloud now anyways. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. So, but it just seems like, come on, Apple. Do 128. Yeah, especially yeah, like... But, I've, but they must look at the stats, guys, right? They must know how much storage people are using now. Do you know what I mean? Like, everything I have is in the cloud. Like, all my photos and videos are in the cloud. Clearly, yeah. they don't know how much I have on my device. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but... <laughs> Wait, Apple doesn't revolve around me? No. I, I say that, yes, they do, John. But I'm sure they're looking at all the normal people out there as well. And I would say most probably don't even take advantage of the 64 gigabits. Uh, all I know is sorry. I get a lot of friends that are like, oh, my iPad's out of memory or my phone's out of memory because they're, really? they're buying they the base an iPhone, They have an iPhone 4? No, they just, they don't take anything off and they don't use the cloud. Okay, yeah. well then that's, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's self-inflicted. Like, but. I, I don't know why you wouldn't use the cloud now. Like, everything's backed up. You don't ever have to worry. Like, you lose the phone. Everything's up there. Well, that's the thing I tell people if you don't have the cloud. If you drop your phone into the river, you go get a new iPhone, type in your password for iCloud, yeah. all your stuff's back. Yeah, you everything. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like magic. This yeah. is what I've been dreaming about all my life as a kid, this technology. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. Um, my friend recently just came back to the Apple ecosystem. He was on Android for five years or so. Yeah. And he is annoyed that he has to continually pay for iCloud stuff. You know, it's kind of a mindset that I think you have to kind of tweak into Yeah. Really, to kind of really hop on board. That's what they're hoping, though. Okay, we're going to have to take another break. When we come back, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the program. Mike and John here. Going to tackle social media, uh, especially as it relates to the ongoing uh, conflict in Ukraine. We've got a great guest on board. His uh, name, you've heard him on the show many times before, Ted Kritsonos. He's launched his own podcast, actually, Technologic. You'll want to subscribe to that. Uh, it uh, is an excellent listen. And Ted, I want to thank you for joining us. Pleasure to be here, guys. Thanks. Uh, I wanted to get you on the program because uh, one of your podcasts actually uh, covered this topic. And I, I find it very interesting right now. We are so connected in this world, even in places of conflict and war, such as Ukraine, you know, images and video 
are coming out and obviously spreading uh, around the world, but sometimes it's difficult to know what's real and what's not. How how is this conflict different, Ted? Have we seen this before? This amount of like like instant content, instant uh, video and photos coming from the battlefield, battlefield coming to us. We have uh, the Libyan and Syrian civil wars were, in my opinion, the first ones that really uh, were shot largely by phone. And we were seeing content being uploaded, uh, showing what was going on on the ground. The difference at the time was, for one thing, social media was not what it is today. Uh, TikTok, for example, was not a thing uh, back then uh, when those conflicts broke out. And also the quality of the video was not as good back then as it is now. When you're seeing some of the video that I'm sure you guys have seen and that I've seen and even per- people listening right now have seen is pretty clear. Like it's pretty, pretty clear what you're looking at. You don't know the context of everything that you're looking at. And we can talk about that. But, it, you know, you're, you're seeing a tank. It's on fire. You're seeing, you know, fighting going on. You're seeing people fleeing as refugees. I mean, these things are pretty evident. It's pretty clear. And the, the quality of the video is, is one of the reasons why. The interesting thing that we also noticed, though, in the last little couple of weeks, I guess, since this conflict has been going on, is there's also a lot of stuff either from previous conflicts that's being repackaged as from the current conflict, or even crazy stuff like video game cutscenes have been repackaged as it's an attack on somewhere in the Ukraine. So, like, it's just, it's never been easier to look realistic on social media yeah. without actually being realistic yeah yeah this is i mean what we're looking at here guys is really something that is uh quite quite standard for warfare uh going back a long time so the you know each side tries to use propaganda and tries to use imagery or rhetoric in its own way and i'm not suggesting that you know uh that i mean we're pretty we know who the aggressor is on this side but um, that's not to say that everything that's coming out from the Ukrainian side is true uh, or accurate, right? Um, so, for example, uh, there was a, a video of a tank that was just engulfed in Molotov cocktails that people were posting and reposting, especially on Twitter. And I think it was even on TikTok. Turns out that that video was from 2014. Yeah. So it was not from now. And and so, yeah, the video game thing, too. Like, I mean, people came out on Twitter and said, uh, actually, that is a video game. I, I've played that game. It's, you know, and Twitter actually did act to take down the content that showed clips of that particular game. Ted, I'm finding it difficult, though. Like, how do you decipher what's real and, and what's not when, you know, these false images are coming up all over or Twitter and, and, and Facebook? One way I suggest is to do a reverse image search. So basically what that means is that you're taking either a still from a video or if you're looking at a photo and then go to, let's say, Google, or you can do this on Bing and other search engines as well, where you're you are searching that image. You're, you're basically dragging and dropping that image into the search so that it can see what it matches with, right? And then when you do that, you can sometimes discover that, oh, okay, hold on. This image was used in an article from like six years ago. So clearly it's not something that just happened now. So I find that that is oftentimes a good first step to take uh, to see just in case the content you're looking at may not be, well, timely, if that makes sense. (laughs) But it's still hard though, Ted, because not everyone's going to do that, right? Like these images 
you know, they're like a virus. I mean, that's, you know, I guess the whole term of viral. They get out there to millions of people almost instantly. And I don't think everyone's doing their homework. Like we saw that during the pandemic though. No, I, I know. And that's what I'm, I'm concerned about. Like we're not always getting the, the real story. And then all the conspiracy people get a hold of it and saying the mainstream media is, you know, behind all, all of this. So it's, it's kind of, I, I find it, you know, hard to wade through some of this. I think, I think you're right on one particular aspect, which is that I think one thing we've seen with social media and, and especially we saw this in the pandemic as well, is that people often react as opposed to thinking before they act on social media, right? So a lot of people, you know, you can call them keyboard warriors in some cases, they'll respond to something they've seen or something someone has said without trying to verify it first. Now that could be a comment that agrees with what's been posted or is going counter to what someone's posted. Bots are doing this all the time too. And I think we need to mention that part as well, that bots, have always been there to stir things up and stir up emotions in people, which is why some comments that you'll see that, you know, again, just if you see it on Twitter, if you click on the person's profile and it shows that they have like one follower, but they're following like a thousand people yeah, um, and they never really post anything other than like retweeting or what, I mean, it's probably a bot. So uh, there's, uh, it's unfortunately social media is a minefield, right? In its own way. And I know people don't like the idea of it, but you got to do a little bit more to make sure that what you're looking at is accurate, right? Uh, it's, you can't trust every single thing that you see on there. Well, you, sorry, go John. I was going to say, it just really goes back to, and I hate to use this term, doing your research. Um, your research is not solely by looking at Facebook, that's right. It's not just by looking at right. YouTube, not just by looking at one source. You need to have multiple sources, multiple credible sources, not some whack job with a YouTube account or a blog that you've never heard of before. Or, you know, we've also seen, thanks to the pandemic and other things recently, that even whack jobs with a big following can have. Well, so that's the thing, you know, guys. Like, I, I saw this one post on Facebook, and it was a guy basically uh, using two images. Um, one was uh, of, uh, I guess, uh, this woman that had been injured in the war, like a civilian in in the war here in Ukraine. Uh, and it was like, it looked like it was from CNN, uh, Ukraine. And then they showed uh, another picture side by side, the same woman from 2014 or 13 uh, saying, you know, CNN, Afghanistan, And this person posting this was basically saying, see, the mainstream media is lying to us. They're using the same imagery. But if you did any homework, if you did just even a basic search on it, you'd find that both of those posts were faked. There was no like CNN Afghanistan or CNN Ukraine, Ukraine that yeah. had posted them. Yeah, And so they're using all this disinformation to make credible uh, news sources like CNN. And I find that I feel they're credible. Well, look bad. Well, when is a meme ever credible, though? Well, for some people, they are. That's that's the problem. Don't you agree, Ted? Yeah. I, you know what I think, guys? It, when the stakes are higher, the echo chambers are bigger. So we saw this during the pandemic. And now with a conflict which involves a nuclear power, uh, people are uh, apprehensive, I think, about what comes next. Even though, you know, this war is not on our shores, of course. But the economic uh, ripple effects could certainly affect. I mean, look at the gas prices, right? Like a lot of people are, you know, up in arms about that. And yes, the whenever there's a conflict involving an oil producing country, typically the gas prices go up. So I think, 
you know, you know, whatever, like I said, whenever stakes are high, the echo chambers get bigger and people sometimes try to stay in there. So those who are supporting Ukraine, for example, may stay in that echo chamber, not sort of look at the conflict from a different perspective, just like those who might be supporting the Russian side may also not look at the other side and refuse to, you know, they might say, oh, you know, that was all doctored, uh, you know, that that bombing that happened uh, at the hospital there, uh, you know, that that was just that was probably a Ukrainian shell that that fell on there. You know, like, I mean, I see this stuff on social media myself and it's unfortunate, but I think it's it's a minefield that we're going to have to try and navigate through. And I don't have the answers uh, on how to do that. But I'm troubled because we need and I hate saying mainstream media, but we need the big credible news sources like the Wall Street Journals, the Washington Post, the CNNs to to help filter this and verify. Yet we've got this minority like saying that mainstream media is just faking it all. Right, because these are boots on the ground news organizations that have money behind it. There's always a concern that, well, there's money behind it and there's a bias there. Yeah, there'll always be a bit of bias, but at the end of the day, they're journalists and they do adhere to a certain code of ethics uh, and they've gone to school, I, I hope most of them, like journalism school, and they know how to report on things. They know how to fact check, whereas a lot of these people you're seeing on Facebook and, and Twitter aren't necessarily journalists. They're not epidemiologists either. No, but they, they they appear to be. Ted, I mean, there's so much to talk about here, and I, I encourage people, if they want to find out more, tell us about your, your podcast in this episode. Sure, yeah. So this is episode two of my podcast, uh, Technologic. It's called War and Social Media, and it does look into a lot of what we've been talking about here uh, and, you know, just sort of how we've been viewing a conflict. We've been per- we've been spectators to uh, this horrible conflict uh, through social media. We're watching all kinds of video and photos coming out of it. And that also we, we, we do have to consider what it is we are looking at as well. Um, you know, this is not a game. We're not playing a video game here. We're not watching a video game. It's real life. And it's important that we get things right when we're looking at it. Check your sources. Ted, I want to thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure. Really appreciate it, guys. Ted Cresonos, uh, he's got a great new podcast, Ted No Logic. You can find those uh, that, that podcast on your favorite uh, podcast uh, places. Thanks uh, again. We'll uh, see you again next time. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. It's Mike and John here. Don't forget to tune into our sister show, The App Show. It's on every Sunday across Canada uh, and Saturday nights if you're in Toronto. We've got a great program uh, tomorrow. We'll uh, be uh, covering some more of the Apple uh, announcements, but also looking at Russia and how they're actually allowing software piracy. And I guess that's kind of easy, John, because they're pirating all Western (laughs) software. Yeah, but... I don't know what allowing versus they don't have any choice because they can't get it any other way. We'll also be telling you about uh, a new Wordle game, but for people that are into songs. It's kind of a cool cool thing, so you'll want to stay tuned for that. I want to thank John and Robin who helped put the show together. We'll see you again next time.